All right, listen. The Big Ten outside of three, we'll call it possibly four. We'll get into that later. But outside of the very tippity top of the Big Ten is an absolute utter disappointment so far this year. So I have a quick question for you. Bring and it. I want you to I want you to give me an answer. Yep. I want you to give me Alex's power rankings for the top six teams in college football. Oh, in college football. Uh-huh. Oh. Did you now think that, I was going just Big Ten? I thought you were going just Big Ten, and nope. I was going to be ready to answer. No. College Ooh. football. I want Alex's top six teams. Because you, you get you get the four teams that are in, right? And then the college football playoff gives you, like, the two teams that are still fighting at five and six to get in. Okay. So what does your current college football playoff picture look like? And this doesn't have to do anything to do with the AP poll or whatever. This is you specifically. Now, it, do, do you have your top six ready to go? Do I have a second to marinate if you have sure. an answer? Yeah, okay. That's fine. So for me, remember, this is all based on what we have seen so far and all of that, right? So my number one team right now is Michigan. I think Michigan is the best team in the country. I truly believe that. I understand that I'm a Michigan fan. You know that I am the first person to say when I think they're bad. I think they're very good. I have Georgia at number two. I have seen some kinks in the, or no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I take it back. I take it back. I have the Texas Longhorns at number two. Whoa, we're back. Listen, they have the best win in college football. They, they won at Alabama. Um, you can't take that away from them. Their offensive and defensive line are both extremely, extremely good. They have a quarterback playing at a very high level. They have really talented players at the skill positions. Texas is number two. Number three is Georgia. I have Georgia at number three. Um, I've seen a couple of cracks in the armor the last couple of weeks. They have not. I mean, you give up over 200 rushing yards to Auburn who doesn't know that the forward pass is a thing and plays two quarterbacks openly and willingly on purpose. Uh, that ain't a good sign. That's that's conference play, play right there. And that game went down to the wire. Um, number four, I have the Penn State University. I have Penn State as my number four team right now. I think they are playing a, an extremely high level. They had a little bit of a clunker this last game. At number five, right on the outside looking in, Ohio State. Now, a lot of people would argue that Ohio State has the best win out of any team in the Big Ten, which is true. They do, by the way, um, against <clears throat> Notre Dame. Excuse me. Uh, I, I, I think that... There are some kinks in that team that once they get into the nitty gritty of the Big Ten schedule could rear their ugly head. And they're, listen, they're playing an unproven quarterback. I think Drew Allard has done more to prove himself to me than what Ohio State has going on with Kyle McCord. Um, And then at number six, and this might surprise some people, but at number six, I have FSU. 
Um, and a lot of people are going to have FSU ranked higher. I think the win against LSU is starting to look less and less great. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you can't take away the fact that they're undefeated and they won that game. So I have FSU at six right now. So those are currently my top six teams. Okay, so I'm I'm kind of I'm, – I'm getting this right in my head because it's hard for me to separate who technically has the best resume – with who I actually think are the best yours, Yeah, and that's what I want. I want your – that's why I'm asking for your top six teams, not – you base it on if these two teams played on a neutral field, I think this team would win. That's what I want. I want your top six, not, well, this team has a great resume. I mean, I put Ohio State on the outside looking in. They have the best win of anybody in the Big Ten. Right. So. Yeah, okay. Then, then I'm going to sound like a homer too, but I'm going to put Michigan at one. I think they are one of the, if not the most complete football team in the country. They have experienced quarterback play. They're, it's weird to say this about Michigan, but they're fixing the offensive line. It looked rough earlier in the year, but this last week against Nebraska was the best they looked all year, and they have an elite defense. Coaching. Coaching. And we'll, we'll talk more about Michigan. Yeah, 100%. So I have Michigan at one. And at number two, at number two, I'm going to put Penn State. I think along with Michigan, they share this title of teams that have looked like the most complete teams in college football so far. And you can say it's because of the teams that they've played 100%. And that might be a valid argument, but I'm choosing to believe in the talent on paper and that it's just translating to the field now for Michigan and Penn State and Penn State both. At number three, man, you know what? At number three, I am going to put Florida State. I'm I'm a believer, man. I'm a believer. I was not before the year. I did not pick them in my preseason college football playoff picks, my top four. But LSU and Clemson are still quality wins. Keon Coleman is a monster. Jordan Travis is an experienced guy. And I think you can trust their pass rush too. I've got Florida State sitting at three for me. As far as resume goes, there's currently nobody with a better resume than Florida State. Definitely. They have, they have two wins that are very, very high-end wins. Definitely. And I do think the Clemson win will look better as the year goes on because everyone has the Duke loss in their head right now at number four for me, I'm going to go Georgia. Uh, like you said, there's, there's been some, some, uh, some kinks in the armor that we've seen, especially this last week, but they're still loaded with talent. Kirby smart is still a top two coach in college football. Give me Georgia at number four. And then my last two outside looking in, man, this is tough. This is really, really tough. I think at at five, you know what? I think at five, I am going to go with the Oregon Ducks at five. I know. I know. A Pac-12 team. A Pac-12 team. I know. But I think Bo Nix is the real deal this year. I think he's bodacious, as they're talking about him, out in Eugene. And I'm... I'm not going to, I was kind of a low key believer before the season. 
and they've done some some really good things. And then to round it out at number six, I'm going to go with with uh, with Texas. They have the road win at Bama, like you said, best win so far in college football. So Michigan, Penn State, Florida State, Georgia, Oregon, and Texas is my wow. top six. Ohio State gets left out, and you put Oregon in. If Oregon and Ohio State played on a neutral field, that would be a crazy game. That'd be a crazy game. It would be. You'd have a super high-powered offense in Oregon going against a top six, I believe, defense in the country right now at Ohio State. That would be a battle. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's Man, I didn't even think to put Oregon in there. I probably won't for several weeks, um, but I don't know. I, that's that's a I, it's a good top six. I can't argue with it. I think it's kind of a sin to not have Ohio State in there right now. But I mean, it's yours. It's yours, so you own it. It's it's up to you. I love it, man. I I just wanted to bring a little bit of levity to this show. To be like, we do pay attention to college football as a whole. And we understand that like most of the Big Ten is garbage. Listen, we have four teams. Stick with us, people. We have four teams from the Pac-12 that are currently ranked in, in the top 25 for college football coming next year. I think... If you were to ask me who in the Pac-12 is the cream of the crop, right at number seven, I have Washington. I think yeah. Washington. I think Washington's the best team in the Pac-12. I thought I, about putting them over Oregon. I think neutral field, Washington probably beats. They, oh man, I don't know. I kept them outside for a reason, so I won't say that. But I, I really do think that Washington is the cream of the crop in the Pac-12 right now. And guess what? They're a Big Ten school next year. So we we can talk about them a little bit. Same thing with USC. Same thing with UCLA. Same thing with Oregon. They're all Big Ten teams. Yeah, they're just Big Ten light right now. But next year, they're full-fledged Big Ten teams. So we can give them That's a little right, love. Baby. That's right. Conference play is going to be outrageous from now on. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Man, what a way to kick off the show. I love that. And if you love Big Ten football, then you came to the right place. Welcome to Big Banter, everybody. Stick with us because we have the best Big Ten football you are going to hear. If this is your first time listening, thank you for being here. Hit that follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening on Apple or Spotify. And uh, follow us on the socials at B1G Banter on threads and Instagram, and then on Twitter at B1G Banter Pod. I will admit, the social media content has been a little slow lately. When you have a newborn, life gets a little busy. I don't have as much time on my phone as I used to, unfortunately. But it'll pick up. Follow us on there for uh, for all of our content. Ethan, you want to say something nice to the listeners? Folks, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to keep it short because we just went off on a little bit of a tangent to start the show. But I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much. We're going to keep bringing you guys all the Big Ten info. I think we are going to, as we get further on in the season, I think you guys are going to hear a little bit more analysis about um, the Big Ten as it comes to the big picture, and that being the college football playoff. 
So you're just going to hear naturally more analysis on teams outside of the Big Ten because there's going to be some there's going to be some stuff going down where we have to diagnose what another team is doing because it will bring in the playoff picture and it's going to be a big part of whether or not one of our teams in the Big Ten gets in. So stick around. Keep listening to us for that. I said I was going to keep it short. I didn't. Let's get going. In typical Ethan fashion. Oh, man. Well, we talked. We opened up talking about how the Big Ten struggles, except for the cream of the crop at the top. And I think it's going to get a little bit worse from here. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know which game I'm going to. So Iowa gets out of Iowa City with a win over Michigan State, 26-16. to 16. Quick update, Iowa points for Game Tracker. They are now at 22.2 points per game. Brian Ferentz is in the red, people. He's this in the danger zone. This isn't this isn't funny anymore. And this was this was kind of like what I feared the entire time was like if he like I thought that uh, I think I was the only person out of the three of us to pick the under that he wouldn't get it. I think you and Corey both said, oh, oh I, I picked, I picked under, I did pick under. Oh, you did? Okay. I did. Yeah, okay. I did. And <laughs> it, listen, his odds just got a lot worse because Cade McNamara, it is coming out, is now going to be likely out for the year with a left leg injury that he suffered during this game. It was a non-contact injury. It looked like it was more quad than like ACL knee type stuff, but nonetheless, He's going to be out for the year. They're going to go with Deacon Hill, I believe his name is, at starter. And if you weren't putting up 25 points per game with a Big Ten championship quarterback and a college football playoff quarterback, I don't see how you do it with Deacon Hill. Can I I ask a quick question? Please. With those colors and everything, did it not kind of look like Iowa had brought out Ben Roethlisberger to play quarterback for them. He was, he's huge. He's huge. Deacon Hill's a big boy. Okay. But I love that you brought that up because it is like, it is so like multiverse level weird how similar the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Iowa Hawkeyes are. They have the same uniforms, they both have elite defenses every year. They both have really sucky offenses every single year, and both fan bases want the offensive coordinator fired real bad, and they're on the fence on getting their head coach fired along with them. Like, these two teams, it's so funny that they're just so similar. Uniforms and and everything. State of the team is the exact same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And it's, well, uh, it's going to come with a head coach firing or or moving him on to an administration role, whatever you want to call it, um, that's coming for Kirk Ferentz. He's done. Uh, you don't you don't get your son fired as the OC and have as bad of a season as Iowa is about to have and get to keep your job. I I, I was calling for Kirk Ferentz's job after last season. Uh, I ain't slowing down that train anytime soon. It, it's it's horrible. It's unacceptable. The level of play, the recruiting's not there. The The development of talent is clearly not there. And, I mean, they just feel stuck in the Stone Age. I, I can't. I'm not going to go too deep in on analysis with Iowa just because they don't deserve it. 
Well, but, as opposed to analysis, because you said you mentioned with the type of season they are about to have. In your mind, then, how far does the Cade McNamara injury drop them in terms of their preseason expectations were to go to Indianapolis in the Big Ten championship game? But now with the injury, is their season over? Yeah, 100%. It was over before the injury. Let me make that very clear. It was already over because they were playing at nowhere near the level of football that me and many other people expected them to at the beginning of the season. Like, hey, let's write this ship with Cade, with Eric All. And it was like that was really the only thing they had going for them was that connection between the two of them. And that's gone now. Um, I, I just, no. Their season was over. So to answer your question, yes, but I would say it was over before that even happened. Kurt Ferentz is going to be gone at the end of the year, and obviously his son is going out the door with him. It feels inevitable at this point that Brian Ferentz is going to be done. Quite frankly, I think it's going to be hard for the fans to sit on their hands and watch him continue to coach the rest of the season. Like, I feel like you can just pull the plug right now and be like, Brian, you're gone. Kirk, you're gone. Like, we need to start fresh. We need to start this coaching search immediately. But I don't expect them to do that. So, in you know, to wrap this up, yes, I do agree with you. Their their season is over. Um, Real quick, and I know we're spending way too much time on this game, but I, I wanted to bring this up, and you you literally asked me right before we started the show, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? And I said, no, but this is it. <clears throat> um, at the end of the season, I think there is a strong possibility that Iowa and Michigan State are going to have at least two of the same candidates in head, in a head coaching search. And if you are Michigan State, there is not a world where you can lose out on getting a coach to Iowa. That that world better not exist. Because if they go out and make a splash higher and you get somebody else, <laughs> you know, the number two guy or whoever it is. Oh, boy. Well, I mean, Michi- my Michigan State is spinning thinking about that right now. Michigan State better hope they don't have to pay Mel Tucker a whole lot after he sues them and tries to get what he can of what was a guarantee salary before his firing for cause. So they better hope that deal is as cheap as possible so that they can go spend big on the guy that they want. I'm starting to think that it's going to be less. Um, and reason being is because the cause that they're citing that they are firing him for is the act that he committed with um, that woman, whether or not it was consensual. Because she was somebody who had been employed by Michigan State, it was supposed to be a 100% professional relationship. So the fact that he admitted to what he admitted to, their whole thing was that right there is enough for us to fire you with cause. And that's what they did. So I don't know. I, I'm sure he still will get something, but we shall see. We can move on. I apologize. No, you're good. Uh, Michigan State in this game outgained Iowa 349 yards to 222, but they turned the ball over four times and had 10 penalties. 
like such a sloppy game from them. Noah Kim had three interceptions, and then there was another guy who fumbled for Michigan State. The second half of that game was, I'm not kidding, the the hardest half of football. I shut it off. I was I was out on the couch with my wife, and she was like, is there a reason you're still watching this? And I was like, no, thank you for saying something. Like, I, it, it's so bad I can't watch anymore. It was so bad. They had six turnovers between both teams. And so six turnovers, and then Michigan State had 10 penalties. Michigan State went three for 15 on third down, and Iowa went two for 13 on third down. It was such a horrible game to have to watch. And honestly, the only electric thing that happened was Cooper DeGene. Cooper DeGene was the best player on the field. He had an interception for Iowa, and then he had what was essentially a walk-off punt return touchdown to win it for Iowa. So once again, not an offensive touchdown is winning the game. Of course. Of course, neither one of those teams was going to score offensively, so it had to be special teams or defense. Literally. They need to build a statue for Cooper DeGene, and Kirk Ferentz needs to put it in his front lawn because the amount of games that that kid's probably won for that guy. Man, he doesn't deserve him. Iowa does not deserve Cooper DeGene. I don't feel one way or the other about Iowa, like as a fan, as a Michigan fan. But I just feel like those those people deserve better. 100%. Those are good football fans, man. Those are really good college football fans. Yeah, no doubt about it. So let's move on to a team that probably deserves way more of our attention than Iowa. Let's talk about Maryland. Maryland beats Indiana 44-17, to just like they should, like we expect Maryland to. But Maryland is 5-0. and this is why I beg you and Corey to not pay attention to the rankings until the playoff rankings come out, because the fact that Maryland is not ranked is an absolute absurdity and a sin. Any team from a Power 5 conference that starts their season 5-0 and should be ranked. LSU is ranked right now, and they are 3-2, and two, coming off a loss to Ole Miss. But 5-0 and oh Maryland, who actually has played, like they're not playing a bunch of softies, like they're still Power 5 opponents for the most part, and their average margin of victory in these wins, 25.4. They're beating teams by more than three touchdowns, and they can't get ranked as an undefeated team. I don't know how the AP voters are keeping them off, but it just... I mean, it goes to show you, you, you know, you put in garbage, you get out garbage. And that's what the AP poll is, to be honest. That's, exa- that's exactly what it is. It's there's there's no reason to look at it. Like I, I, And I'm being completely serious when I say that there is no reason to look at it. But here we are. And, and you know what? If you're Maryland, use it as a chip on your shoulder. Honestly, use it as a chip on your shoulder and go out there and look. Do I think you're going to be any of the top three teams in the Big Ten East? No. But does that mean that you don't deserve to be a ranked team right now? No. And it's fun for a fan base, you know? It's fun for those kids on the team and all that kind of stuff. I don't care personally because they constantly get stuff wrong like this. But for them, it's just like, you know, use it as fuel. Absolutely use it as fuel. And of all the weeks to use it as fuel for, you're traveling to Ohio State this week. 
this Saturday, you have a chance to go into Ohio State and do something really, really special on the backs of a 5-0 and season and a team that feels disrespected by the national media. Like, go out there and do something special in Columbus, Maryland. You absolutely have a huge opportunity this weekend to go do something. Talia threw for 352 and five touchdowns against Indiana. Good God. That kid can sling the freaking football, man. And they've got weapons on that team. They got Roman Hemby in the backfield along with Littleton and a couple guys at receiver. Maryland's always got good guys at receiver. And and Talia is just the engine that makes them go. So yeah, they've got Ohio State this weekend. I'm really excited to watch them because I really do hope that this is bulletin board material for them. The nation doesn't respect us. The the voters don't respect us. We have a chance to go prove something to people right now. Let's go into Columbus and do something special. All right? That's what we're looking for, Maryland. That's what we're looking for. Step up your game. You have a chance to be that fourth good team in the Big Ten. Now, the top tier is reserved for three teams and three teams only. But if you were to go out there and upset Ohio State, I immediately start talking about you in a very different way. 100%. And not that they care, but go out there and prove that the Big Ten East is the best division in college football. Like, go out there and do it. You can. Let's go to a beast in the East. Michigan beats Nebraska in Lincoln. 45 to 7. This was a trophy game, too. I feel like people forget the Bussin Bowl. Taylor Lewan and Will Compton made this trophy game starting last year, which is freaking hilarious. Bussin with the boys. Michigan keeps the bus. Now, Nebraska came into this game, Ethan, with the number one ranked rushing defense in the country. Michigan well, ran for 249 yards. <laughs> no. <laughs> they certainly didn't leave with it. Listen, we. We all knew that Nebraska wasn't a very good team, but they did have a couple of things that they they did very well. This was kind of the the coming out party for Michigan. This is what everybody has wanted to see from Michigan. It does really seem like, and, and this is like kind of the cliche, but I, I'm starting to believe it's true. The fact that Harbaugh has now been back as the head coach for game day, for two weeks now and I think he really has harped on offensive line and let's get that area fixed um <clears throat> and clearly it's worked uh their their run blocking has been so was unbelievable in that game against Nebraska it felt like every time Blake Corum touched the ball or whoever touched the ball in the backfield, they were just running rampant. They had seven yards before they got touched. Um, and then you had, you know, the pass blocking. I really thought stepped up in a huge way in that game. Um, JJ McCarthy had all sorts of time to throw the football, uh, you know, did a great job planting his feet and, chucking the ball when he when he did he wasn't out there very long they they got the starters out of there quick there were like five five minutes left in the third i think when they pulled people yeah Yeah. so um it wasn't a ton of work but i think as michigan fans that's what you wanted to see was exactly what happened in that game um and on both sides of the line of scrimmage yes 100 percent. because the the domination up front defensively I think schematically you're really starting to see 
everything pay off that they've been working on early in the season. And you're starting to see these guys get home. And that's going to be huge if Michigan can start getting pressure with their front four on passing downs. That is what can win them a national championship. Yeah, they had four sacks in this game, which was something we had been talking about. Like, quarterbacks are having a lot of time. Secondary is really good and can lock up guys for a while. But you need to be able to get pressure with four or five. And they finally did that and got home on some sacks this week. Over the last two weeks, I believe they have the highest pressure rate in college football. It's either it's it's in the top five for sure. Um, so they've really, really stepped up in that category. And that's what you needed to see from them to really believe that they're going to be a top team competing for a national championship this year. And something that's happening right now at Michigan that Michigan fans are not used to seeing, they are getting elite wide receiver play from Roman Wilson right now. Roman Wilson is tied for the lead in the nation in receiving touchdowns with eight so far this year. And the and the first one he caught against Nebraska absolutely mossed his defender his defender and like caught the ball over his defender, like pinned it to his helmet, falling down, maintained control. One of the best catches I've seen in a long time. And he is he is becoming a difference maker for this offense. That play that you saw on his second touchdown with the rollout from JJ and getting that ball to Roman Wilson in the back of the end zone with him, you know, kind of doing that toe tap. That's one of those plays where you, you see that and then you go, Oh yeah. Okay. That connection's really, really special. Like that's one of the top that like, that is one of the top five connections in college football, probably top three, honestly. 100%. Um, JJ rolling left, throwing back to his right as Roman is coming to him. Balls on the money. I mean, that's that's perfect. A perfect example of like what you see from Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Like perfectly in sync mentally when the quarterback scrambles, the wide receiver knows where to find space and knows how to get open for his, for his quarterback. Roman Wilson is doing nothing but glorious glorious things for his draft stock <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely i uh, i don't think a ton of people had roman wilson as somebody who they were highlighting on their draft boards going into this college football season um there's scouts at every single michigan game now watching that dude play i can guarantee you that yeah roman wilson leading the nation in touchdown receptions through five weeks was not on my college football bingo card that's for sure uh, no, you know, I, <laughs> I left that one off. I was gonna, I was gonna put that down, but I left it off. <laughs> hey, and Nebraska fans, be patient. Just breathe. As Aaron Rodgers once said, R E L A X. Go look at what Matt Rule did in his first season, his first season at Temple and Baylor. It was an absolute crap show. Bad, bad. bad. <laughs> so bad. Like two year wins two, at Temple. Year two at Baylor, though. That's what we're saying. You got to give this man some time. Did he screw up the quarterback situation? Yes. Give him some time. Let him get his guys in there. Nebraska, I think the future is still bright. So you just got to be patient. Just got to be patient. 
All right, let's move on to Penn State. Penn State beats Northwestern 41 to 13. Now, this one was a little a little testy for a minute there. This game was actually tied at halftime before Penn State pulled away. Again, just props to Northwestern for fighting. I mean, in a season that looked like they could have just rolled over. They get a win against Minnesota, come from behind last week, and they keep Penn State close for a half. Good for them. But, uh, you know, Penn State, I said it already in the show, they just continue to look like one of the most complete teams in college football. They had 219 passing yards in this one, 134 rushing yards, and they now officially, after this week, have the number one defense in the country. Manny Diaz has those boys playing and playing good, good defensive football. Yeah, I, I I look at what happened in that game early on. Really, it was into the third quarter, um, and things still weren't looking great for Penn State. I trust, I trust that it's more of a situation where that was just playing a game where you just expected to go in and run over somebody, <clears throat> and then you did eventually. You know, you got your head screwed on straight. The biggest worry that I have about Penn State is not any of the players. It is James Franklin. When it comes down to crunch time, when it gets to a situation where you have to make a critical call, it felt like in the first half of that game against Northwestern, it was just a sea of bad. And you can't do that against Michigan or Ohio State they will take advantage of that and they will run with it. So right now for me, that's my biggest worry with this Penn state team is can James Franklin get out of his own way and lead his team with, you know, with coaching decisions, not being boneheaded and all that kind of stuff. I, I, and <clears throat> to be honest with you, the answer is, I don't know. I really don't. I, the fact that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Ohio State plays Penn State at home. Yes, it's in Columbus. It's in Columbus, so you're you're not gonna get you're not gonna get those opportunities. You you have to take advantage of every opportunity Ohio State gives you. You cannot give them coaching gaffes or oops, I didn't call a timeout or whatever. Yeah, Penn State plays Ohio State on the road and Maryland on the road. They get Michigan at home, but of these really highly competitive teams in the East, two of those three games are on the road for Penn State. And you do worry about James Franklin like randomly calling a trick play like when he doesn't need to or just something really stupid like that. Well, and then these slow developing run plays that just aren't working. And it's like they're running the ball out of shotgun and it's like these slash counter plays. And it's just like, why are you running stuff that has such slow tempo when you guys can't get off the, like, it It just doesn't make any sense to me. And to me, that's a head coach. You have to step in and you have to say, hey, this isn't working. We're switching to something else, you know, whatever. So, like I said, it, they they came back and they clearly were the better team in the second half of that game. But it worries me for games going forward. Absolutely. James Franklin feels like the last question to be answered for this Penn State football team. Now, another team that we've got to shine a light on, man. The freaking Rutgers Scarlet Knights. 
They played Wagner, and they did what teams like Rutgers should do to Wagner. They beat them 52-3. to But that's not the part we want to talk about. Rutgers football is 4-1. and one. They are 4-1 and one through five games, and their preseason win total was 3.5. These guys are playing good football. The Shiano man is, is getting what he can out of this team talent-wise. He's squeezing every bit of juice out of the lemon, and he's making lemonade. They ran the ball against Wagner for 268 yards, and they dominated time of possession. They did not punt in this game. They only had one drive that they didn't score, and it was before halftime. Like, they just ran out of time. Oh, and they didn't turn the ball over either. Like, we're used to Rutgers tripping over themselves and turning the ball over and doing things I they shouldn't. We, we, we've got we've to pump the brakes just a bit because they were playing Wagner, and I don't even think Wagner is D1. So. I, I know, I know. But but did you think Rutgers was going to be 4-1 and one through five games? No, I, I, I did not think that. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously I didn't think that, but. <clears throat> I also don't think that I don't think they're a team that's going, if they can make a, you know what, if they can make a bowl game, that would be absolutely huge. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> this is what these next two weeks are going to be really, really interesting now because Rutgers is actually showing that they have a pulse and they actually have something on the field that they're committing to being really good at, which is their run game. Okay. And they also, by the way, Rutgers is ranked 10th in the country in total defense right now. Top 10 total defense for Rutgers. And they know how to freaking run the football. So these two next two weeks for Rutgers, they go to Wisconsin, and then they get Michigan State at home. I would not be surprised if they were favored over MSU. That's what I'm saying. Like, the, yeah. like they could push Wisconsin a little bit, <laughs> even though I think Wisconsin will win. And that Michigan State game with how Michigan State has looked, all of a sudden that feels like a very losable game for a Michigan State team that can't afford to lose that game if they want to keep their bowl hopes alive. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, like, just the fact that Rutgers is making conference games interesting, that's pretty fun. That's pretty fun for us. Michigan State's not making a bowl. Are you officially... Wait, whoa, 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 this is this is breaking news. This is breaking news because I'm pretty sure you had them at seven wins. This is not breaking news. This is this is you you lost your head coach to a scandal and your team has fallen off. Like the wheels have fallen off officially. Like they they will be lucky to win five games. They're bad, and you lost your head coach. And like your coordinators are terrible. They're so bad. Their coordinators are so bad. Like, I, if I'm a Michigan State fan, I am just so happy that we're getting a completely new group of people brought in. You just really hope that, like, the university shells out the money. But, yeah, no, this, they're, they're done. We kind of talked about this on the last episode. Who's your guy for Michigan State? Like, who are you going after? Is it Lance Leipold? Is it Elko at Duke? Is it Brian Harmon from Ohio State? I've heard people mention the offensive coordinator at Colorado. Like, who's, no, who's no, no, your no. guy that you want them 
if, if they're getting anybody fan. from Colorado, it better be Coach Prime. Um, but no, I I would say for me it is. Uh, I would say it's Elko. Right now, it's Elko for me. I think Elko probably has the slight lead for me, too. I will say with Brian Harmon, he's proved to be an extremely elite wide receiver recruiter at Ohio State. Now, I wonder if that would, you know, if that would filter and rub off on the other positions. And he could kind of set up something really special at Michigan State recruiting-wise that they haven't had in ever. But if you could get that elite recruiting at Michigan State at key positions besides wide receiver, I think Harmon could be really special. But yeah, I think Elko and Harmon are probably my top two options. People have also mentioned Sherrod Moore. Do you think there's any chance of Sherrod Moore going from offensive coordinator at Michigan to head coach at MSU? No, stop it. No. People, people have said it. Okay, well, people are dumb. <laughs> There's your analysis. I will say there are Michigan State accounts that are listing his name on the head coaching candidates list. So I think they're just dreaming. All right, let's go to Purdue, Illinois. Man, Purdue freaking ran Illinois off the field. 44 to 19, man. And the thing is, Illinois, like, they put up yards, dude. 375 total yards, but they committed nine penalties and went two for 13 on third down. Almost the same story as Michigan State. Like, if, I, if I'm if i an opposing coach, put up as many yards on me as you want. If you're going to shoot yourself in the foot and get in third and long all day in the red zone, be my guest. You're not going to score much on me. And Illinois only put up 19 on freaking 375. That's crazy. And I feel like something we're learning about Purdue, which I did not expect going into this year, they can score the football. Hudson Card, Devin Mockaby, Tyrone Tracy, Deion Burks, like they actually have some playmakers and they are going to score points against a lot of people. I don't I don't have a ton to add. That was great analysis of that game. <laughs> Illinois, very, very bad. Purdue uh also bad but offense looks good so uh no but seriously there i would say Purdue's offense is probably the biggest takeaway from this game and really impressed with what they were able to do um they've got to go a long way though before i start thinking about them being a contender in the west that is what sucks when you get to to this level of team in the big 10 you know it's just like well there's there's not much more to say other than they won the football game. Honestly, I think it's, the most interesting thing we could talk about right now is I have Daniel Jones on my fantasy football team, and I'm playing against the Seahawks defense, and he just threw a pick six. So I think that kind of tanks my week right there. I'd say that just about does it. Gosh dang it. Freaking Daniel Jones. <laughs> Never mind. I take back what I said about Mike Elko. <laughs> Screw Duke. Screw Duke football. Duke football is the worst. Hate him. Stick to <laughs> basketball. All right. Oh, last boy. game. Lord have mercy. They're in the Big Ten, so we have to talk about them. Minnesota beats the Louisiana Raging Cajuns 35 to 24. 
that score is a facade. Minnesota is a fraud of a football team. And P.J. Fleck deserves to be fired. The end. Yup. The end. So, okay. I don't... I don't remember what the count was last. What was the count last year to this year? Coaching changes in the Big Ten. We had Wisconsin. We had Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Purdue. Purdue. Yeah. And technically Northwestern. Yes. So we had four co- head coaching changes from last year to this year. Yeah. So from this year to next year, we're going to have <clears throat> Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. We assume we'll have Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. Do we think this can get up to three? Like, is PJ Fleck potentially a guy that you're firing after this year if you're Minnesota? No. You don't think they no, will? They, no, they still owe him too much money, and they don't care. They don't care enough. They're they're like they're they're below. And I'm not saying this to insult the Iowa fan base, but they're below like the level of Iowa football. They're they're oh they are they they've been below that forever. They have 100. percent And so he like, had it, one miracle 10 win year with Minnesota, yeah, and yeah. since then it's been nothing but mediocrity or worse. Yes, yes, yeah. I. I I can't get behind PJ Fleck. I thought for a while he was a good coach. Turns out he's just Scott Frost. One hundred percent. He's only one with one group of players. Yes. Yep. He's Scott Frost. So yeah, I I'm so done with the PJ Fleck saga, and it's sad that we're ending the show this way. But I I honestly think I don't think there's a chance that he gets fired, but. If I was a Minnesota fan, I would be outrageously upset. Also, RIP to coaches' um, coaches sayings like "Tuck coming," nah, Tuck Tuck going, Tuck gone. PJ Fleck, row the boat. Boat is sinking, my guy. You're taking on water. You you've got holes in the boat. Uh, you might want to take you might want to take care of that. R.I.P. to the biggest characters as coaches in the Big Ten. Well, not the biggest, because Harbaugh did quote uh, was quoted as saying "we fence" a couple of weeks ago instead of offensive defense, which you love to see. He also someone asked him if he watched the Ohio State Notre Dame game. He started talking about it and then started complaining about the price of his cable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that man is. That that man is something. He is. If he wasn't my if he wasn't my team's head football. Listen, I hated him well. He was my team's head football coach for a while, but <clears throat> I, 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 we've got Harbaugh mad good. about cable prices, and and Ryan Day is taking shots at Lou Holtz. We've we still yeah. got tons of entertainment from the press Ryan, conferences. Ryan Day, Ryan Day. He's like, you know what? This eighty six year old man. He deserves to have me go in on him. Let me take care of that real quick. How dare he cheer on his old team and insult no, mine in the process? No better way, no better way to say that you've got that you've got a tough team than to ridicule uh, an eighty-five-year-old or however old Lou, Lou Holtz is in your post-game <laughs> interview. 
Real tough, real tough. Do you remember when Lou Holtz and Mark May were the faces of college football coverage? Oh, my word. I sure do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. By the way, people, that wasn't me talking. That was an actual audio recording of Lou Holtz trying to get out a sentence. (laughs) Oh, God. Well... I guess we've talked about all the games, so so we can officially end it now. Thank you for listening. If you stuck with us to this point, again, hit the follow, hit that subscribe button because we're bringing you all Big Ten football all the time. And by all the time, I mean twice a week until the college football season ends. So stick with us. Thank you for listening. We love you guys. Peace out.